Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowa Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. We said upgrade, not update. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. Oh, boy. So we are, we're back. It's happening. Another day, another uh, or another week, another podcast, um, and uh, it's it's like right when we think we have not done, we like we've done too much. We've beaten the upgrade episodes or the downgrade episodes down to death. Um, TGC looks around and says, "Hey guys, let me throw you one. Let me throw you. <laughs> let me throw you a bone. I got I got <laughs> you back." Uh oh boy. The following pre-show banter has been excerpted for preambling episode six. Raising our voices. If you want to hear more, find it there. But now back to the show. I've now I've now caught up on all the jokes in the chat from when I was reading these emails, so we won't have any <laughs> overflow laughter from <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No overflow. Uh and of course <laughs> if, if you want to be part of the laughter in the chat, uh you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and be part of it. Or uh, enjoy the 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 jokes uh, the next day if you're not a night owl like we are, um, and that would be perfectly fine. Or if neither neither of those sound appealing, you are allowed to give us money and not do either of those things. No one will force you. <laughs> it's true. We will not force you to stay up late with Carl Menger and Pete and uh, Patrick uh, from Game of the Cross. You won't have to. Uh, in fact. Our own producer doesn't do it. Uh, you know, Randy went to sleep hours ago. Uh, That's right. I, I wonder if Randy was ever awake, without, frankly. Without muting, without muting my laptop or putting my phone on Do Not Disturb is like, what What can he be relied on for at all, actually? Yeah. He, you know, uh, Randy. Anywho, uh, <laughs> Um, so today we are fingers crossed <laughs> finishing the Chicago statement. Uh, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we, we have actually gone through every article and, and we said at the, uh, at the beginning that we are going to finish up by taking a look at the short statement and see if there's anything that didn't get addressed. And um, I don't think there's a lot, um, but this week we, we've come up with a backup in case we don't find enough things to talk about. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but um, anyway, let's just get into it. So a, a short statement. And of course, if you want to uh, to get caught up on this, you can, of course, go to our YouTube channel and find our playlist uh, called Toward a... Uh, toward an evangelical upgrade, I believe is what's called. And uh, apart from the first five, I believe first five episodes, I'm not sure. Um, the first few are on the Cambridge Declaration, and uh, the, then from then on, we we've been on the Chicago Statement for a while, and we are finishing it up this week or next. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> but so let's get let's just read the short statement. And let's just see if we can add something to it. If we think there's there's some modern issue that hasn't really been addressed. 
So Car- Carl can't believe we're still in Chicago, but it's <laughs> my kind of town, Chicago. Well, it's you know what? It's the deep dish town. pizza and the inerrancy. That's what keeps us there here. There we go. Um, there we go. Patrick, that wasn't technically singing, I don't think. So <laughs> it was just an allusion to singing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. So the short statement. And this time, instead of norm our normal way of doing it, I'm actually going to pause between statements to spend time uh, and see if, the, if there's anything that we can add to this that we or or maybe just summarize what we read about this issue. So, uh, statement one: God, who is Himself truth and speaks truth only, has inspired the holy script has inspired holy scripture in order thereby to reveal Himself to lost mankind through Jesus Christ as Creator and Lord, Redeemer and Judge. Holy Scripture is God's witness to Himself. So, at at the beginning of this, of course, we we hear this, and it kind of seems like, uh, maybe. Uh, Maybe the obvious connection to inerrancy is not there. Um, and of course, I'm just realizing now I didn't put, uh, didn't mention that the link will be in the description and I'm putting it in the chat right now for anyone who wants to pull it up themselves. <clears throat> but the obvious connection to inerrancy at that statement, it, it kind of may be lost, but it kind I, I think this statement really gives both the primary argument for the inerrancy of scripture and sort of at the same time gives the reason why this, is, this is such an important issue um, why it's worth spending uh, so many articles. What is, in the end is 29 articles. Um, no, sorry, 19 articles. <laughs> um, uh, I this, we, we would have spent quite a few more episodes on it if it was 29 articles, <laughs> but uh, 19 articles is because, um, this is, scripture is God's witness to himself. If we can't trust it, if we can't trust God's witness to us on things less than himself, you know, on like creation, history, things like that, then how can we trust it when it speaks to us about who God is? And this is something that we've mm. talked about a little bit in the whole, like the, the whole inverse of you know, what Jesus says to um, uh, Nathaniel of saying, you know, if uh, if you haven't believed me, if you can't believe me with when it comes to earthly things, how can you believe me about heavenly things? Well, it's like we're saying, well, of course we're going to believe you about heavenly things. It's just the earthly things we're not so sure about. Uh, well, how can, like Jesus himself asks, how can this be? <laughs> how could you possibly do this? And what, are we smarter than Jesus? <laughs> I mean, you know. I, 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 I feel like so many of the challenges to inerrancy start with the assumption that, yeah, we sort of are because mm-hmm. we have smartphones and, and cars and, and Google. So, so we, we kind of are smarter than Jesus is, yeah. is the underlying assumption. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess we could say, like, is are there any modern issues that that the Chicago statement doesn't touch on that we could um, say that this statement kind of deals with? Um, 
I mean, in some ways, like we could say, um, there's there's that. It's hard to get into this at all without getting into the social justice woke issues. You know, like it's because it seems to me that's the issue. If we have to update, we have to come up with some kind of an update to Chicago statement. That's what we need to deal with. Is is the 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 social justice woke issues, and and so what do we say? Like, I mean, does a God who um, it's kind of, I mean, because really, what is that saying? It's saying we need outside sources to help us to understand justice, to help us understand um, racial justice. We need, we need these sort of social psychological schools and uh, Marxian class theory in order to really understand um, <clears throat> what's going on in the human heart and and how to, you know, unite the white and black and Asian and um, people, you know, like we, we need to, and, and we need to go to somewhere else. Like we need, um, God is not God, the inspirer of truth who bears witness to himself and, and only speaks truth, um, has not speaking sufficient truth. Um. Like that's that's kind of what we're saying, right? Like that's that's the problem with the insufficiency of scripture that that we find ourselves dealing with um, today. Um, and then, of course, there's just Andy Stanley who thinks that the Bible isn't a reliable witness to God Himself. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, Patrick brings up in the chat the psychology versus newthetic counseling divide. That's is kind of a another instance of of that exact same thing. Like that that we need social psychology to supplement the truth about humanity that 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 the Bible doesn't have enough. Um, or you know, yeah, that's a that's a good good additional thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, to me, all that. These these are these are really sufficiency issues. So maybe 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 there does need to be <laughs> rather than update the uh, Chicago statement. Maybe there does need to be a statement on the sufficiency of scripture. What we mean when we say the sufficiency of scripture. What we expect the sufficiency of scripture to encompass and what we don't mean what yeah. what 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 we what we do allow for for um more development using secular tools on yeah um i think i think maybe that's what we're kind of circling around is maybe that maybe something like that would be um maybe something like that would be useful um yeah um and maybe the statements on hermeneutics and application deal with that like i mean i feel like this whole the whole conversation about um the sufficiency of the chicago statement on biblical inerrancy seems to forget that they made two other statements like they right 
they regathered and said, yeah, th this this isn't enough. We do, we also need to talk about, if we're going to talk about the biblical inerrancy pro uh, issue, we also need to talk about the biblical hermeneutics issue and the biblical application issue. And, and um, should time, and, and maybe uh, we're, we're going to be probably less aggressive about those. But, um, you know, of course, as we get back into Revelation, um, we still have weekly bonus episodes. Maybe we'll spend some time in those Um like we're, I'll, I'll say maybe that this is just kind of a teaser to the people, and then we're gonna get back to the episode. But um, we've got some ideas for bonus episodes coming up that we've got like, uh, we've got a couple guests uh, that we're we're talking to about, and we're we're gonna try to do some more guest episodes for bonus, uh, and uh, and also we've we we've, we've got some ideas about uh, bonus material as we get back into Revelation that um um of, of maybe some uh doing some anarchist book study sort of things. And uh, so that's that's something to get excited about and look, look forward to, you know, all six of you. Um, <clears throat> gosh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't say that. Um, I'm very optimistic thinking six people are listening. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, like, I think, I think uh, that there, there is more. Like, uh, they're, they're, they've written more on this subject and maybe we need to revisit those other statements before, um, we, we, before we start discussing amending, uh, the first statement, <laughs> let's see what the other statements say, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I'll then, then let's move to the second one. Okay. So the second statement, Holy scripture being God's own word written by men, prepared and superintended by his spirit is of infallible divine authority in all matters upon which it touches. It is to be believed as God's instruction and in all that it affirms, obeyed as God's command and all that it requires, embraced as God's pledge and all that it promises. And of course, you know, one way that we've, we've developed this summary is learning more about what that word infallible means. Um, it is infallible that is incapable of error, of error. Um, so of infallible divine authority in all matters upon which it touches. Um, it, it's, this is such a great nail in coffin matter that it can really like it. It's, I don't know. Um, you can apply dozens of, and, and, and bring any updated controversy. And if it in any way undermines the divine authority of the scripture. It divines that statement of it is to be believed as God's instruction instruction and all that affirms. Just saw a tweet about like, you know, this 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 uh lady who I don't know who she is, but she's been making the rounds on Twitter, being like, if if you affirm male headship and female submission in the household, then I believe that you're it's such a condescending way she says it, like, I believe that you are a uh, you are holding that in good faith. And I believe that you are a Christian brother and says, thank you. I'm not sure about you, but then she goes on to say like, but if you, but something about like just complementarianism is in no way defensible, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, if you think that's hard, wait till you hear the real stuff. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a you know, that the cheerleader taking a sip of a, and this is probably, probably the most unbaptist thing I could bring up, taking a sip of a wine cooler and thinking it's hard and be like, man, wait till you meet vodka. But, uh, sorry. And then I just committed to Russia. 
But, uh, sorry about that. I repent in dust and ashes. Uh, obviously anything Russian is evil and wicked and should be cast into the fires of Mount Doom. But, but anything... Or, or, or anything, or anything Belgian that sounds like it might be Russian. Right. Uh, absolutely. But, but like, <laughs> dripping out of that whole tweet is like, you know, if you believe this, and I believe you are in having, you're a good faith Christian. No, no, no. We're believing what the Bible says. Like, this is, like, the, the, the anything that undermines being able to say, I believe what the Bible says. If it says and affirms something, I believe that to be true. If the, When the Bible says that Jesus Christ is Lord, I affirm that to be true. There is no if, and, or but about that. If I affirm that the, all of creation was brought to be and continues to exist by the word of God's power then that's that. Like, no amount of microscope study is going to, uh, is going to undermine that af affirmation. And, and so, the, the, you just, and anything, of course, and then, of course, going on, any, it has to be obeyed as God's command and all that it requires. That's the one I feel like that's always constantly under attack. Right? That's, right. that's just constantly under attack because um, the, the very first, you know, the very first accusation is the common accusation in every generation has god really said right and this is what you know like this is why you know you've got some guy going on at uh <laughs> john cooper you got my hackles up some guy going on uh some podcast talking to some guy who created some vegetable talking vegetable show uh calling uh, being concerned with biblical sexual ethics, crotch Christianity. Like, wh what are you trying to accomplish there, bud? Like, what are you trying to accomplish there? Are you trying to get me to think less about biblical sexual ethics? That's undermining obeying as God's command all that it requires. Like, <laughs> you, you, you don't speak so dismissively of the matter of on this matter of sexual morality. If you're if you're not trying to, and of course, then you know, I don't want to speculate, but I it always makes me wonder what's going on inside that guy's own heart. Um, like if you're looking to undermine teaching on a matter, well, what's what's next? Well, why why are you trying to undermine that? See this week's bonus episode. Yeah, stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. <laughs> We've got things to say. <clears throat> also, we feel a little bit vindicated, but anyway, uh. But yeah, and then, and then the last one, of course, this is the one no one attacks. Everyone wants to embrace as God's pledge all that scripture in, uh, promises. But the question is, can you separate that from God's command, from God's instruction? Like, how can you stand on the promises of scripture if you're not standing upon the obedience it requires and the the facts and instruction that it gives like so much of the pledges and promises of god stand, uh, are founded upon the instruction of god like as as uh you know as common there's there's this sort of in the, the uh i think it was a, a major thing that luther uh emphasized um <laughs> oh uh patrick says his new book how i kissed Pet ketchup and pickles goodbye oof Oof. Oof. Uh, but, but like what, um, 
it was one thing that Luther uh, not discovered but emphasized is the connection of the indicative to the imperative and, and the difference between an indicative statement and an imperative statement. It's a Greek <laughs> it's a Greek th uh, grammar issue, but that leads into a theological matter that you know you'll you'll read all over Paul's um, letters. And you see this common theme of imperatives built upon indicatives. There's a statement. An indicative is a statement. It indicates. You hear that word. Indicates what is true. And then there's an imperative that's built upon it. Say, for instance, you are raised with Christ. Therefore, do not go back to the ways of sin. You know, that's, that's the whole logic of Romans 6. You are raised with Christ, so do not go back to the ways of death. So, indicative, you are raised with Christ. Imperative, go, do not return to walking in death. Um, or, or like indicative, your sins have been nailed to the cross. Imperative, therefore walk in, uh, in confidence, you know, as a, as a child of God. Uh, oh, gosh. Oh, you you're too much you guys are too much <laughs> and if you want to know why i'm so distracted go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and for one dollar a month you can read all of their terrible puns terrible <laughs> not deserving of airtime puns <laughs> uh, but yeah like that that i think Really, uh, again, this covers so many issues that, that it's almost not even worth getting into specifics. Um, this, this, um, but yeah, anything that undermines any of that is is to be sus suspect. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Do you have thoughts on that that are not um, vegetable puns? <laughs> <laughs> but I have so many good vegetable puns. There are so many, some of them are bound to leak out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just going to make me green with envy. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got to squash this. Um, Let us so, move on. Carl. Carl Oh my, what have I returned to? <laughs> what indeed? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, so corny. But, <laughs> oh gosh, we need to get off this. We need to move on. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the um that um that it it's it's the attack is always well, well, we say it's always on the first two. Um, ultimately, the uh, the promises of God do get undermined if you go down if you go down this route, right? Right. It is that um, um, you know, 
ultimately, if you start down this road, one of the only reasons that might make it worth it is to deny hell. Once you deny hell, why affirm heaven? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, there's, um, uh, of, of the, of the two, um, heaven is the one that makes less sense, <laughs> frankly. Like, uh-huh. um, oh goodness, um, double shot. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, but uh, <laughs> um. But yeah, it is uh, and and so ultimately, I, I ultimately I think it does. But 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 you're right. It's it always starts as it always starts as not wanting to obey the commands of God. Yeah, not wanting to believe and receive the instructions of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and and that's why. In preamble, we were talking about um, sort of the elements of good faith disagreement. It's yeah. do you wrestle most with the scriptures that are most devastating to your position? <laughs> um, <right? laughs> um, your Honor, I object. On what grounds? It is devastating to my case. Liar, liar! Great movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> no vegetables to be seen. Um, but uh, it is uh, that I it, it is uh, are the are the scriptures that that you that you most want to understand the scriptures that are most. Uh, that are that are most seemingly injurious to your position mm-hmm. and once dealing with them are you dealing with them honestly are you reading them mm. the same way you would any other scripture right or are you special pleading no. <laughs> um around them the, that's and th- this is this is far too easy for for all of us to fall into where we um where where we it, 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 we we want to love the Bible, we want the Bible to love us back and 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 to confirm all of our opinions. Um, and and we've talked about how we see this far too often with with so many uh, other libertarian Christians. Um, and and you you made the distinction in in episode fifty two point five between libertarian Christians and Christian libertarians, or or, or as as we prefer Christian anarchists. Um, yeah. uh, we uh, uh, we it is it is so hard when when you see the the value and 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 the the parts that are right about about a system outside of scripture including libertarianism it mm. is so it is so easy to fall into saying well then 
then scripture must agree with this. Therefore, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I and 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 so scripture becomes that wax nose we talked about last week. Yeah, where yeah. Um, where it it becomes conformed to the needs of the moment rather than um, as Spurgeon said that that any scripture that that really offends you. You, you, you ought to truly attend to it. It ought to stick to you like a blister until mm-hmm. you can, until you can truly love and attend to its teaching. Um, yeah. I'm misquoting that mildly, but that that was the general gist. Um, and uh, uh, and so and 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 we have we have the voice of uh, Spurgeon's great rival um, in the chat, so he can he can correct me. Um, and, <laughs> But uh, um, uh, right. but uh, as soon as they stop trading recipes, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so um, so like we get it, we can see, we can see the, we can see why that's that's so attractive is because, um, uh, is is because. All truth is God's truth after all. If you find truth somewhere else, it must not disagree with the Bible. But then the question is, what do you do with that? Yeah. <laughs> do, do you then shape and fashion the Bible to, to agree with the truth you found somewhat, somewhere else? Or shape and fashion the truth you found yeah. somewhere else to make yeah. sure it agrees with the Bible? Yeah. It, and of course, you know, like, you know, we're not denying general revelation, which is what we're saying. Like you finding things outside of scripture is, is general revelation. And, and uh, the, the thing is, we just can't be as certain about general revelation as we can about scripture uh, and special revelation, which is kind of, you know, gets back to what I said in preambling five about talking about how my confidence in Christian anarchism is not as sturdy is my confidence in the other things that I affirm as a Christian and as, as a reformed Christian specifically. And also I want to say before we move on this po- off this point, um, his reference to ch- the chief rival of Spurgeon, of course, is that our, our good friend Patrick was the voice of Joseph Parker on the May 17th episode of revived thoughts. And you should go March check that 17th. out. What? March 17th, not May 17th. March 17th. Yeah. You, no, he, he gave it in the future. We've already <laughs> heard. No, yeah. yes. Uh, March 17th. Sorry. Sorry. March 17th um, uh, episode of Revive Thoughts, which we love Revive Thoughts. We love Patrick. Go listen to that uh, episode. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah. For the May I mean, 17th episode, it was it was two different versions of uh, Ryan Reynolds. Did you see that terrible movie? We did. It was great. Um, it, it was a very fun kind of terrible. Anyway, I kind of liked it. Uh, I gotta be honest. I, I kind of liked I, it. I, 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 we, I actually, I thought I was going to hate it, and I actually liked it quite a bit. It was very fun in yeah. not bothering with uh, the time paradoxes and so forth. Yeah, <laughs> we're rolling too far into preambling territory, though. Let's let's reel us back in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, statement three, though. Statement three. Mm-hmm. The Holy Script, the Holy Spirit, Scripture's divine author, both authenticates it to us by his inward witness and opens our minds to understand its meaning. Um, I don't, I don't know that we need to. Like, it's just it, this is 
kind of an important constant always reminder i don't hear a lot of attacks to this i hear a lot of or see a lot of forgetting of this mm. and um you know like th this issue that you're always going on about about um natural over naturalizing scripture like having a thoroughly right. supernatural worldview about the world and about scripture especially um that even when we're using our brains, it is a supernatural matter because it's really the spirit enlightening our minds to understand the scriptures. Um, although, again, they don't deal with what that looks like. Right. And there, I think there is an implicit denial here in that the Holy Spirit is the, the Holy Spirit that authenticates the Bible to us, opens our mind to understand the Bible, is also the author of the words. Which uh -huh. implies something that he's yeah. not going to enlighten us to something that disagrees with the words. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, that imply yeah. a very implicit there, not <laughs> not yeah. uh but but absolutely. explicit explicit in the in the in in the articles that that unpack it. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um all right. But statement four, being holy and verbally God-given, Scripture is without error or fault in all its teaching, no less than what it states about God's acts in creation, about the events of world history, and about its own literary origins under God, than in its witness to God's saving grace in individual lives. If, if we're going to update this at all, I also I, I would want to add maybe... And in its uh, in in what it states also about the human condition and and uh, mm. the anthropology, I think there's and maybe what it says about sin, um, like you know things that it seemed like we were not that were not ne negotiables at that time. You know, like they they had enough right. of a Christian based society that. They didn't have to deal with the modern sexual revolution. Um, or at least they didn't have to within the church. <laughs> like, it was going on outside the church, and really, it, it had not come to its full chaotic conclusion like it has today. Um, and, and also just the, the, the whole uh, social Marxist uh, environment we, we, we find ourselves in as well. You know, like, it's just... Um, these were not on their radar, um, but the issues of creation, um, the, 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 uh, the, uh, trustworthiness of scripture speaking about world events like that, that, that they absolutely, or, or the literary origins of, of the scripture and authorship, th those were things that were live debates in their days. Um, yeah. And, the, and that's the reason why. If if you wanted to know the reason why, even if you sound a little crankish to be obsessed with those three things, why you have to hold the line on those three things, it's because otherwise you you get you get what we see now under mm -hmm. the color of the church. Um and and um and and so Ultimately, 
if you if you can't hold if you can't hold the line on God created them, then then expect the male and female that comes after that to also erode. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, and then I think we're on to statement five, right? I believe so. The authority of scripture is inescapably impaired if this total divine inerrancy is in any way limited or disregarded or made relative to a view of truth contrary to the Bible's own. And such lapses bring serious loss to both the individual and the church. Uh, this is this is really just a statement of purpose, right? This is the statement of 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 why it's such an important um, discussion still today, and this is why we cannot waver. Like we cannot in any way waver uh, on, on the issue, and that's why we need to constantly. Maybe if we maybe we do need to update it. Maybe we do need to clarify things. <clears throat> But we cannot bend on the essentials and, and on what it has laid out for us because, um, you know, points one and five, we're talking about the, the word of God and what it says about who God is. And, and, and the authority of scripture cannot, it doesn't come away unscathed if we start doubting it on this point or that, or, and I thought that, that, that point about uh, made relative to a view of truth contrary to the Bible's own. You know, of course, the article itself, the articles itself will deal with the issue of with, with that, that statement. And yet, there are so many definitions of truth um, that, that, that keep getting brought in. And, and we try to apply to scripture like uh, a psychological truthfulness or, or like this whole discussion about the David and Bathsheba thing is, is it's all about these, these power dynamics questions that, that are, are air, that uh, scripture had in no way, no consideration of it. Um, it, it wasn't an issue, uh, this, this conversation. And so we're just reading our own issues and discussions and truth issues that as we define them into the scripture and we're, and like, you know, I, I, I don't know if I've said this on the show or not, but I've, I've, I've said it frequently enough. It's like, we don't have to add evil to what David did, right? We don't have to add to the fact that he took another man's wife when he had plenty of his own. And, you know, like, or as Nathan himself lays it out quite nicely in his uh, parable, you know, you had a hundred sheep, but you wanted that one, didn't you? And you were willing to kill your neighbor to take him. You had access to so many, to, to all your own wives. Uh, you could take many maidens and virgins in the land unclaimed, but you had to have that one. And you even executed your good friend and close supporter in order to get it. We don't have to add rape to the charge of murder and adultery it's damning enough so what what right. is gained by adding rape to the charge 
you get to make a political statement and find a way to sneak your pet topic into the scripture. That's what's gained. And that's why and you know, I know I've seen some friends, some some friends really ask the question of why is this a debate worth having? Why do we keep jumping in on this debate and challenging this issue? And and that's why I think it's important is because this is a, an issue of we're trying to bring an outside truth claim into that a truth claim contrary or outside of Bible, the Bible zone and applying it to the text. And we can't, can't let it happen. Well, and we've talked about how important it is to approach the Bible with the Bible's own worldview. And, it, and it's, it's obvious in places, in places like the miracles. <laughs> so the Bible's worldview is that miracles are not only possible, but that they happen. And, and that, that, that uh, God can, can and does work miracles, miracles with regularity. Um, but the, it, it, it can be, it can be a little more insidious on topics like this, um, where, um, where what's being smuggled in instead is a reading um, based on power dynamics, mm -hmm. Marxian, uh, Marxian, uh, or cultural Marxian power dynamics. Um, a a reading uh a reading uh based on views of race and class and gender that were not in the minds of of the people could not could not have been <laughs> uh, could not have been in the minds of the people at the time um and and uh, and are not in the bible's own view of of these events so that is a little more subtle which is which is why i think people don't see it quite as easily but it is the same it's fundamentally the same problem is is that if you're trying to read the Bible with a worldview not its own, you're going to you're going to run into issues. And and if you were to follow that consistently, then you end up like that TikTok preacher who's like Jesus repented of his racism to the woman at the woman at the well. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the question has, so we, we've really reached the end of, of our Chicago, of the Chicago statement. And, and the question is, of course, you know, like we, we've asked is like, is there, is there a reason to revise or add to, um, this, this statement? Um, and, uh, you know, it's a very good question. It's such a good question that, um, our good friends at the gospel coalition decided to take it on themselves. Um, and in fact, there's an editor's note, uh, at the top of this article. And we we've included this in our discussion in our chat, um, 
uh, not chat, uh, the, the, well, that too, but uh, in the uh, episode description below, a link to this episode called um, Updating the Chicago Statement, a proposal by Derek J. Brown. Um, and in, in this editor's note, they, they note that they affirm that TGC in their confessional statement um, states that the 66 books of the Bible alone constitute the verbally inspired word of God, which is utterly authoritative and without error in its, the original writings, complete in its re revelation of his will for salvation, sufficient for all that God requires us to believe and do, and final in its authority over every domain of knowledge to which it speaks. In essence, it affirms the doctrine of inerrancy for which the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy in 1978 gives the most comprehensive and clear articulation. So thank it's good. It's, so far so good. In not only in, in recent decades, with renewed objections to this doctrine, we've challenged a new generation to not only freshly defend, embrace, and champion biblical inerrancy, but also to live it out. Um, uh, to that end, TGC is hosting a series about the need to revise and clarify in light of new hermeneutical in uh, arguments in light of new hermeneutical and cultural arguments. So, they're going to be so apparently this means they're going to be um it's it's a they're they're looking to make a long form uh series on um on this issue of 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 updating the um updating the the, the Chicago statement of biblical inerrancy and to my, my to my knowledge only one person has taken that challenge so far on this is Derek Brown. If there's other, um, if other people have contributed to this challenge, let me know. Um, but it's worth kind of taking a look at, especially because this article is being passed around. I've seen a lot of people who are friends of mine take shots at it, but I'm going to be fair. I haven't read it. And, um, not everything, as much as we've taken many shots at TGC, not everything that comes out of TGC is bunk. And, um, and also, like, there's good stuff that's come out of TGC. Um, and so let's, maybe we should consider this. So, um, we're going to be reading this article again. You'll find it in the description. Uh, if we don't get it done today, we'll, we'll finish it up next week. Um, and then we're getting off it. We are getting off it. We're not adding to the Chicago, if we do anything more on the Chicago statements or anything inerrancy, we're going to move it over to our bonus episodes. This is our last thing we're doing, and then we're getting back into Revelation. We promise. Although by now, maybe it's clear that our promises are not as inerrant as scriptures are. Uh, but um, he gives some background uh, over the fall weekend, 1978. 300 evangelical scholars, pastors, and laymen gathered in the Hyatt Regency. O'Hare to discuss and hear presentations of the issue of inerrancy. These presentations corresponded with the writing of the Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy, CSBI, a 4,200-word document consisting of a preface, summary statement, 19 articles of affirmation and denial, and an accompanying exposition. Which, of course, you already know that because you've been hanging with us. That's right. While this... While the CSBI proved to be a useful document after its original publication, its influence has waned over the last two decades. Even so, some notable voices have sought to reclaim the CSBI as a theological touchstone 
or the doctrine of inerrancy. Recently, the late Norman Geisler labored to recover the CSBI as evangelicalism's standard definition of inerrancy in his co-authored volume, Defending Inerrancy, which uh, came to the Cross Apologetics, has, uh, I believe, an episode dealing with that. And I'm sure he's about to mention in the chat which episode it was. Uh, in this book, Geisler argues for the adequacy of the CSBI by defending its various affirmations and denial in theological and philosophical detail, concluding that the document is in no need of revision or amendment. Um, now, yeah, I'm going to read this next paragraph, and then I think... We'll, we'll go back and I, I, there's a point I want okay. to quibble over. But should we concur with Geisler that the CSBI is in no need of revision? Has there been no positive advance in the doctrine of scripture since 1978 that may help strengthen the CSBI for future theological and ecclesial use? Even the framers of the CSBI left open the possibility of future updates. The document states, we acknowledge the limitations of a document prepared in a brief intensive conference and do not propose that this statement be given creedal weight. We've, we've quibbled with that ourselves. Uh, Carl F.H. Henry uh, included the CSBI in volume four of his God, Revelation and Authority, while also conceding that the statement was subject to future revision. Most recently, biblical authors Robert Yarborough and G.K. Beale, so... Senpai Beal. Senpai Beal is saying this. I don't know who this Robert Yarbrough guy is, but Senpai Beal. Have gone on record suggesting the CSBI could use some updating. Okay, so Senpai Beal said it needs to be updated. So if Senpai Beal said it, then case closed, article over, it needs updating. Uh, <laughs> no, but but of course, but of course, like um I I wanna I wanna make one clue one that first sentence of that the the second paragraph didn't sit well with me because they're like oh well like his his whole art like uh while the csbi proved to be a useful document after its original publication its influence has waned over the last two decades i want to be like is that the statement's fault like is, is that <laughs> are we going to blame the statement for the fact that it's kind of like saying uh, though the Westminster Confession of Faith was useful for the first so many years of Presbyterian of the PCUSA, its influence has waned over the last few years. Is that the Confession's fault that the PCUSA isn't following it anymore? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I think there's other uh, culprits to be pointed to about the waning significance of... Uh, of um, uh yeah csbi uh but uh, however uh, um you know geisler i i'm not gonna call him uh uh the paragon of theological accuracy like he's he's got some pretty serious blind spots um i mean one that you could guess I'm going to say it's a blind <laughs> spot of his uh his very vitriolic opposition to calvinism uh, but, but I mean, like Carl F. H. Henry, that's an, that's a, a, a scholar who I, and theologian that I greatly respect G K Beale. Um, the guy who we are just, uh, who is basically, um, we're, we're just reiterating G K Beale in our discussion on revelation. You know, uh, our whole podcast is just a footnote to G K Beale. Uh, but, but like, you know, like th these are good people. 
smart people, wise people, who are saying maybe there needs to be an update. The question is what? How? Um, and, you know. I do have to claim a not so fast on his interpretation of their willingness for uh, of their of their call okay. for the need of future updates. What what so I didn't read the end by GK Bill that he linked to. Um but <laughs> um uh not 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 since we uh remembered that we wanted to cover this article at least. Um but uh <laughs> Um, but when he links to the Chicago statement itself, um, it, 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 with the with the words "left open the possibility of future updates," we talked about this. They are they are humbly they are humbly suggesting that maybe they left something out, and maybe future revision is is necessary. And and. And that was appropriate. They also say that it shouldn't be given creedal weight. And we said, yeah, in hindsight, we disagree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In hindsight, you should be able to sign this. Yeah. Um, and if you can't, then then it should be given similar weight to you, say, being a Southern Baptist and not being able to sign the uh, Baptist faith and message or wanting to teach it Southern and not being able to sign the abstract of principles. It should be that sort of an issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know Derek Brown's uh, theological um, position, but of course, yeah, yeah. He's a Southern Baptist. Um, it's kind of ironic that he's citing their use of the words the creedal weight uh, as as saying it's open for interpretation, you got to remember there's some people in that group who are put it, who who for whom the words creedal weight have heavier meaning than a Southern Baptist is going to give the words. Sure. We're talking about like second only to scripture, sort of. That's that's what they mean by creedal weight, and that's why we are somewhat. Uh, this is why we actually somewhat disagree with them, because we're like, no, I think it could be given. Uh, the same way exactly the creeds. way that you should give some of the creeds. <laughs> yeah, some of the creeds. Um, like that they that they uh, speak to scriptural matters so clearly that not being able to affirm them makes us question if you actually affirm the scriptures. Exactly. Like that's yeah. that's what I mean by creedal weight. So, um, yeah. Uh, but but also right. and so which which also by the way I want to say is not me criticizing Derek Derek. Uh, Brown. I'm not criticizing him by saying that because I'm saying I agree with him and what he probably means about Greedle Weight. But uh but but we should be clear about like this is not we don't mean the same thing that they meant by saying it shouldn't be given Greedle Weight. That's all to say that. Um Yeah. It, right. And and also like I want to be clear also like in each of these statements. Like okay, so I, I just pulled up the the link to the uh, it's the erosion of inerrancy. It's actually a book that they're linking to by G.K. Beale, and so it's basically saying the recent uh, responding to new challenges to biblical authority. He's talking about adding from, to the Chicago statement, yeah, right. from, specifically from postmodernism, and um, and 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 
Patrick says this uh, Yarborough guy, Robert Yarborough, I don't know anything about him. Again, by my saying this Yarborough guy, that's a comment on my ignorance, not on his uh, prominence. And Patrick says he's solid. So I have no reason to doubt that he's saying kind of the same thing. And it's like he links to a Themelios article, and I'm, I'm not going to read it at this point because it's just, uh, you know, that would break our flow too quickly and and i I would i would guess carl fh henry is saying the same thing that and and really even the people who who are writing the chicago statement saying they're open to revision they're not saying take away they're saying add this is once again the situation of like this is why i'm not for a constitutional convention Mm. because i don't think it's going to go the right direction and maybe that's really my biggest worry about today's church and today's evangelical authorities uh, revising the Chicago statement is I don't trust the people who are going to do it. Like if we revise the Constitution today, we're not going to come away with 10 uh, with a Bill of Rights, those 10 solid amendments, which, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you know, it's, as some people have said, it, it kind of serves as the, the conservative version of a, um, a, no, a gun free zone sign. But like, but there, but, but I think if, if we update the Chicago statement written in 1978 today, I'm not convinced that we are going to see the good things added and none of the good things take taken away. Uh, what's going to be added is not these challenges of postmodernism that GKBL sees. It's not going to be they're going to take out kind of dated references. They're going to take out the good stuff and add some kind of reference to. <laughs> uh, I just I just know it's not going to go in the right direction. The state of our the state of our elites is not good. I'll just say that. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um. But of course, we haven't even gotten into his suggestions for updates. I'm just saying that's why I am leery about doing updates. Right. By the by, um, I I I did just find while while you were speaking just now the uh, section in the Yarborough article where he grants that that the Chicago statement could use some updating. Um, it's. It's sandwiched in between this guy's making a bunch of arguments that are already addressed by the Chicago statements. Let us concede they are a generation old and they're revisiting and rephrasing today. Nevertheless, the Chicago statement on biblical hermeneutics agrees with Sparks, the person he's critiquing. And so, so it's sandwiched between you didn't read the Chicago statements. They could use some rephrasing. But you didn't read the Chicago statements, <laughs> so I mean, so this brings us back to um, the Chicago statement. Before we start revising, needs to be reread. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. It's and and couldn't that be said for all the confessions and creeds, right? Of like, course. Before we start talking about revisions, let's read them. Let's read the Athanasian Creed before we start talking about restating. Yeah, it's it, let's read the Athanasian Creed. Let's read the 1644-1689. Let's read the Belgic. Let's read the Heidelberg and and the like let's just 
more often than not, the people who want to revise it haven't done careful readings of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll be honest, like I, part of the reason I wanted to do this is I wanted to do a careful reading of the Chicago Statement myself. Sure. That's part of the reason we've been going through it. Like, I'll just cards on the table you know part of the reason like i don't think it's any shock to hear people for people to hear that part of the reason you do a podcast is because you want to have an opportunity to talk about important things and think more deeply about them with other people but but especially this one i knew the chicago statement was important and i i've read it before but i haven't really done any deep thinking with someone else about it and so maybe what you want to do before you start revising is pull it out and uh and read it and think about it. And Patrick, I did the Contra Krugman thing as well. Jeff did it, yes. He clicked the links, but I did too. <laughs> I just looked at the block of text and said that I'm I, I'm not reading this right now. Okay. <laughs> Jeff did he he went all the way. I'm not saying I'm not saying that I did just as well as Jeff or that Jeff is less praiseworthy for that. <laughs> I'm just saying I want a li- I want half a cookie. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, okay, but <laughs> but how might we update a document that has enjoyed more than four decades of theological and ecclesiological usefulness? Again, has it been four decades of of usefulness? I think we've left it too early. Sorry. Over the last few years, as I've pondered this question, over the last few years. Man, I, oh, okay. I mean, like, I, I don't have no reason to doubt him, but like, it seems like this call is like within the last few months, and he's been thinking about how to update this in the last few years. Like, I, I mean, I'm not like, I, I, I don't know. It sounds like I doubt him, and you might be able to see why I might doubt him, but, but I mean, uh, I just, I. Okay, I mean, I'll, I'll just take his word for it, that he's been thinking of, but that also leads me to wonder, like, why have you been thinking about wanting to revise it over the last few years? Maybe he says so in the rest of this article. Um, over the past last few years, as I've pondered this question, my research writing and academic engagement have led me to conclude that the best approach is not to wipe our slate clean. Whew. That's, that's, that's good to hear. Instead, CSBI reframer should work with the document in its present form, modifying existing articles and proposing new ones where appropriate. Furthermore, because the articles of affirmation and denial serve as the heart of the document, it will be most fruitful to focus our energy there and then address the exposition and short statements after the articles are complete. Uh, to give you an idea of how such a project might proceed, I will offer modifications to one of the existing CSBI articles while also proposing one new article. Okay, so he's going to give us an, an example of his proposal. And of course, let's be clear, uh, he this is a proposal, and so he's saying, I, I don't think he's claiming that he should be the, the revision czar. Like he's saying, if he were part of this project, this is one that he would offer a possible revision and a, uh, uh, and a possible addition. Okay. So before we, before I guess I, we move into these, um, is there anything in that last paragraph that you want to quibble over? I, I kind of did it on the way. Let's go paragraphs. Okay. So, yeah. okay. So let's, 
Article four, um, the adequacy, and we're we're gonna have to bring us to a con- close soonish. So we're, maybe we'll get through this. Maybe I'll read the I'll read the whole thing. Give give him his whole whole spiel, and then um, go back. So Article four, the adequacy of human language human language for divine revelation. We affirm that God who made mankind in his image has used language as a means of revelation. We deny that human language is so limited by our creatureliness that it is rendered inadequate as a vehicle for divine revelation. We further deny that the corruption of human culture and language through sin has thwarted God's work of inspiration. So I said, as a, if you, you remember, I, I said I was going to let him have a say, but I'm just going to echo back to our own discussion. This very much we hear a lot of sprawl in this statement um you know about about this this was his big thing about the whole his problem with bart saying that god is holy other is he's not holy other god created us in his image which means that there is significant similarities that god has written into us that we can for instance understand him when he speaks to us in our language okay so In this article, the CSBI directly confronts a problem that many opponents of the doctrine of inerrancy have exploited over the past several decades. The matter of human language as an adequate vehicle for revelation in light of human finitude and fallenness. Article 4 clearly affirms that God has used language to communicate his revelation to his creatures, while also contending that human corruption and our inherent limitations do not render language insufficient to to convey divine truth. Although a human being is sinful and thus prone to error, it does not follow that one must err or much less that one must err every time one speaks. Yet while error is not a necessary property of existing as a human, it is an accidental property, it's true that human beings have a tendency to lie and err. God's work of inspiration mentioned in the last sentence of article four, nonetheless overcomes the human propensity to lie and secures a text free from error. Although helpful in answering one of the challenges related to the art to the nature of revelation from the adequacy of human language, I contend that article four would benefit from some modification. First, I would strengthen the affirmation statement by wording it in such a way as to highlight God's intention in designing human language specifically for the purpose of divine revelation. As it stands now, the affirmation statement, while acknowledging that some relationship exists between God, the the creation of mankind in his own image, and the adequacy of human language, is neither sufficiently clear nor strong enough in these matters. The original statement makes it appear as though God has chosen merely to use language to communicate. It does not indicate unambiguously that he has designed human language for the purpose of providing a sufficient vehicle for divine revelation. I suggest, therefore, the updated affirmation statement reads as follows. We affirm that the God who speaks created man in his image and designed human language for the purpose of conveying divine revelation. This is longer than I thought it was, so I'm going to stop here. Um, this section, sorry. Uh, so far, I'm actually okay with what he's saying. Um, yeah. In broad, in the broad, I guess. Um, it seems like okay. So what he's saying <laughs> is the underlying argument, which I kind of laid out because I know Sproul. He's saying it's not. Right. 
explicitly in the document and he wants to see that argument more explicit in the affirmation that God has not only that um, he, he has used language as a means of revelation, but that language is for the intention of communicating revelation. So not only does it not undermine the purpose, but it is in fact for that purpose, which uh, I'm, I guess I'm amenable to. Sure. Or do you see some red flags here? I, I just, I wonder if it, the only thing that I wonder here is I wonder if it opens up, would open up the statement to a charge of, uh, to a, uh, to a charge of inconsistency that they were, because I feel like they, I feel like they tried to, um, affirm and deny what they, what they felt they, they could without having to produce theological journal articles explaining what they meant, which is, which is to say, um, that once you start into this statement that he's making, which I agree with, I agree with the statement he's making, but, um, but that God designed human, that, that the God who speaks, which I like that, designed human language in order to in, in order to be a vehicle for revelation, then then I think and but then in the denial you recognize that corruption of human culture and language is a thing. It 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 does it does, I think, start to raise questions. Well, then, what is the human language that that God designed? Oh. And what is the human language that's corrupted? Right? Uh -huh. Because because you've got four thousand years of Hebrew. The language is changing <laughs> that entire mm -hmm. time. Which one is the one God designed? I think is is that wouldn't be a particularly smart objection, but it it does it does I think introduce possibly extra questions that aren't in sure the original. That's my only concern. I'm yeah. not saying that that's necessarily. Maybe I could be convinced on this. Yeah. Um, and 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 I do like it. I like the direction he's going with it. Yeah. But. Yeah. But I'm just I'm just I'm not convinced that it's not introducing more ambiguity, more confusion. Sure. And, uh, and there's a possibility that I'm thinking of even as we're, we're talking that it also opens itself to maybe the objection that it it is overstating its case. You know, sure. like like that that um you know that God Created man in his image and designed human language for the very purpose of conveying divine revelation. Well, I mean, also general revelation. Like language is also for the purpose of conveying uh, general revelation. Like, uh, you know, Adam, we're having apples for dinner today. 
that's not special revelation that's you know general revelation and it's in, in like you know eve i'm going for a walk like that would be it's it's not only communicating divine revelation it's an important part of communication but not the only reason and what and what the bible actually tells us is that god speaks that that speaking is um that speaking is as natural to him as breathing is to us <laughs> um mm. and and that he did use human language to reveal himself. Mm -hmm. It actually, mm -hmm. the Bible doesn't actually, I don't think, tell us that he designed human language in such a way as to deliver. Yeah. So, so I think, I think, yeah, I think it might be overstating its case. Yeah. And in so doing, perhaps introducing confusion. And that would be my, that would be my concern with it is that mm -hmm. I, I so the one part I really like is saying the God who speaks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah. And potentially think, these discussions we're having could be really yeah, useful. We get ironed out. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, you know, this, this is the reason why you have groups do these conversations is maybe someone like me is going to be over there being like, Ooh, I think you're overstating the case here. Let's, let's, but but I like where you're going with that part, you know, like like you're saying, you know, and and like, um, uh, and and also like, and maybe this, uh, and I don't know, I don't want to accuse him of anything, but I, I'll say like, there's something in this that I see as a problem among evangelicals, which is a hyper spiritualization, and I see this among even like among reformed evangelicals is a hyper spiritual uh, uh let's be clear reformed ish like you know let's uh, gospel centered type um uh evangelicals is a hyper spiritualization problem is that uh and, and it's kind of present in in this statement that the whole purpose of this was special revelation well, I mean, it's not like that doesn't in some ways that belittles and minimizes general revelation. That's part of what I've been noticing, especially with Proverbs. And I've kind of pointed out as I've gotten more and more into Proverbs is there is something to um, we like to spiritualize the Proverbs and find a way to make them really about our soul and God. But there's practical knowledge there, which means that there is special revelation on practical wisdom. Um, which raises the quality of practical wisdom, like, and so, but, but it's really just a part of like this evangelical thing that we want to, we want to find a way to get everything to turn everything into soteriology, really, uh, that, that we're going to find a way to, and that's really what I mean by spiritualizing is, is it, uh, is really kind of the, I'm, I'm, I'm saying in a, it's a minor Gnostification, I guess, uh, of it is that, uh, minimizing the the value of flesh earth um every day really what matters is the soul and and salvation and why do we talk about this if it's not if it doesn't matter about salvation well because matters outside of salvation matter <laughs> and so same thing with language language matters not just for salvation not just for divine revelation but for communication of love between spouse 
between spouses, between father and son and daughter, uh, between friendship, uh, everyday communication necessary for work and um, industry, stuff like that. Um, which, you know, again, maybe this, this will be ironed out in conversation. But again, I go back to my earlier problem that I'm not sure I trust who they would get together to do this. Sure. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I trust them to have these kind of nuanced conversations, um, about doctrine that are and philosophy of language that is that is important. Um, let's let's see if we can knock this one out. Uh, but yeah. And and let's be, let's be clear. The Chicago statement has proven that people should not have immediately assumed that it was going to answer all the questions or, or it doesn't answer all the questions, but that it was going to be as comprehensively useful as it is. People should not have immediately assumed that, but it has proven over the decades that it is. And, and so the, the issue with revising it is we won't know whether those revisions were any good for about 40 years. <laughs> mm -hmm. So say that joke for later, Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So the next section, okay. So he's going to explain, first of all, his, his amendment, and then he's going to go into the denial. By establishing the starting principle of God's intention in creating human language, this updated affirmation statement immediately precludes arguments that suggest human language is somehow inadequate for divine communication. Again, we, we think it overstates the case, though. In my judgment, by merely affirming that God used human language to reveal himself, the original affirmation statement is left vulnerable to the claim that God, in delivering his revelation to his creatures, simply utilized what was available to him. Fair, fair point. However, I still think he's overstating his case. Um, like, it's not... Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point that it's leaving itself open to that, but you could clarify it in a better way. And also, you could it could be clarified but maybe better in an exposition. Um, which, by the way, he does. Uh, R.C. Sproul does in the book by Bastion Books. He explains exactly what it is. Again, once again, maybe if, you, if we read the original documents, we wouldn't have this problem. Right. Um... And of course, you know, this goes again back to the whole problem of constitutional law, all that stuff that like if we just read what the original framers wrote about what they wrote, we would understand it perfectly. But of course, we, w we would rather play language games and reinterpret it however we want. I'm not accusing Derek uh, what a, Brown, Derek Brown. It's a, it's a simple enough Derek name. Brown. Why can't I, Derek or Darren? Derek it's a simple Brown. enough name. Why do I keep forgetting it? Derek Brown. Derek Brown. <laughs> I'm just ah okay. Um, uh, go accordingly. It becomes easy to suggest that the divine work of inspiration, beleaguered as it was by the inherent weaknesses and insufficiency of human language, ultimately faltered in securing an inerrant text. If, however, God fashioned human language with divine revelation in mind, then it becomes far more plausible that language is a sufficient vehicle for divine communication. Yes, but you got to prove your statement. Okay, this would be all nice yeah. if you could prove it. Like, the, if if you could actually right. prove that this is in fact what God came up with, but I think you're just you're overstating your case and you're leaving your your flank open. It's kind of like you're charging too quickly. 
right? Right. And then how much easier does it become to uh, to attack the statement if it if it's overclaiming something that the the Bible doesn't say and that that yeah can't we're friendlies and we're already proved. seeing your flank wide open. Like uh, all it takes is but, one person walking okay. in and saying, "Where is it written?" Because in some ways he's he's he is kind of putting a truth claim that the Bible doesn't claim for itself. You know, like I think we can accomplish what he's asking for or looking for without overstating the case. Um, and and honestly, the more I get kind of discuss this, the more I'm like, I don't think he actually, I don't think actually the the original article fails in the way that maybe he's assuming or, or claiming that it does like the the more i kind of anyway uh maybe I keep going furthermore by classifying god as the god who speaks the relationship between god and the creation between god the creation of humans in his image and the significance of language as a vehicle for revelation is made clear this also challenges the notion that postmodernism has so decimated our confidence in human language that we can no longer hear god speak authoritatively Finally, the, these proposed amendments strengthen the logical con connection between the affirmation and denial portions of this partic particular article. The connection is seen, especially when we add the word, therefore, to the denial section. Okay. That's fair. And, of course, we said the God who speaks is the part of the, the affirmation that we, we like the most. Um, yeah, the, that God is the God who speaks. He is a, he is a communicating God. Um, uh, and I think I agree that that does. Yeah, my concern weight. about the other part is my concern about the other part is it's it's it would seem like you're claiming that God fashioned human human language with divine revelation in mind would be necessary for inerrancy to be true, yeah. which. I, I maybe we can agree. Maybe we can agree on some level that he did do that, but it can't be necessary because it's not taught. Mm -hmm. The text itself never claims this. So yeah. then, so then it can't be necessary. Yeah. Everything. Everything else. So if we're if we're claiming that that the Bible is self-authenticating, this is something that it it does not is not a claim it makes about itself to authenticate itself. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I agree. Although the, also, although the original article clearly intends creatureliness to refer to our finite con condition, I think it best to make this classification explicit for the second denial answers the question of whether or not our sinful condition has rendered human language and culture insuff uh, insufficient for divine revelation. I'm I'm not sure I understand. Um. Oh, okay. He's moved on to the uh, denial. So we deny denial. that human language is so limited by our creatureliness that it is rendered inadequate as a vehicle for divine. Revelation. Okay. Right, 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 right. Although, yeah, although the original, okay, so the original article clearly intends creatureliness to refer to our finite condition. Be and, and he's clarifying because the second part is talking about our, the sinful nature. This is pre-sin, just we are creatures. Um, and so, uh, 
So uh, okay, I, I need to, I need to jump ahead to what his he he proposes before I can even deal with what he's saying here. We therefore so the for the first denial, it originally states. We deny that human language is so limited by our creatureliness that it is rendered inadequate as a vehicle for divine revelation. His proposed revision of that first denial is, We therefore deny that human language is so limited by our nature as finite creatures that it is rendered inadequate as a vehicle for divine revelation. So he adds a therefore is so and 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 he adds language clarifying is so limited by our nature as finite creatures that it is rendered inadequate as a vehicle for divine revelation yeah i uh, i okay fair i think it's fair enough um it's probably i guess i would i would guess this is a clarification that is more necessary for us than it was for the first framers um sure they would have understood creatureliness as a reference to finitude, um, but he's he's trying to clarify here, and I guess that that I'm I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, and the only objection I would have to the therefore is that it then makes the denial dependent on the affirmation, which we've said we have some problems with the amendment he yeah. wants to make to the affirmation. But right, right, <laughs> right. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he says, beyond this modification, um, including a clear reference to human finitude here would link Article 4 more closely to Article uh, Article 9. We deny that the finitude or fallenness of the human writers, by necessity or otherwise, introduce distortion or falsehood into God's word. This connection is vital because some contemporary opponents of the CSBI build their challenges upon the notion that human finitude prohibits one's ability to accurately convey divine truth. The connection. Uh, the cha okay. They build their challenges upon the notion that human finitude prohibits one's ability to accurately convey divine truth. Okay. For the sake of space... I only want to note that an affirmation of God's intentional design of human language allows us to maintain an optimistic outlook despite our fallenness and sin on language as an adequate vehicle for divine communication. Therefore, I propose the denial section is this. I read the first part. And the second part is, we further deny that the corruption of human culture and language through sin has thwarted God's work of inspiration. I don't think he's making a change there. Which is the same, yeah. Yeah. Um... I think we're going to call it a day for this one um on this at this place um and we'll we'll take up the 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 additional article next week. I'll say again <coughs> our critiques are are not as we said before again look at pre, listen to preambling 6 we talk about good faith arguments and objections and uh we we our arguments and critiques here are not on the level of bad faith. And I'll be honest, unless I see something in the additional article, um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say so far, I think the responses I've seen to this article have been overblown. Just based on what I've read so far, unless the additional article ends up leading me down a different path, um, I, and I'm going to remain open to it, um, I think so far I see good natured or good 
faith discussion here. And I think his his it seems like he has the spirit of wanting to shore up what is there, not alter it. Like he he sees value in the CSBI so far, at least in this if this article has anything to say, maybe there's other articles that he's looking at and he's like strike, 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 rewrite here. Um but based on we can only judge based on what we're looking at that he has the right idea. I think he's coming at this with a spirit that the original framers of the CSBI um, would appreciate. Um, and again, my question is, though, are they going to ask Derek Brown to be part of the revision committee? I, I don't know him. Again, like I, I just I know he's written articles on C on um on TGC, um, I'm j I haven't read it, but a few of the articles, like, I mean, he wrote on how Benny, Benny Hinn's nephew rejected the prosperity gospel. Like, um, he, he takes on some, uh, just on the articles I'm seeing on the page itself, he takes on some uh, common phrases, and he asks the, if, if they're biblical. Like, uh, when God closes the door, does he open a window? He's challenging that statement uh is it biblical to say bloom where you're planted eight marks of a sluggard pastor build his platform not yours like i mean i haven't read the articles but just based on the titles it's good uh but i don't know if this is the kind of guy they're going to ask to be on the csbi on the revision committee um if he is i hope he's got people who are gonna do the kind of pushbacks that we're pushing back on um but I guess I would trust this kind of guy on that committee. From what I can tell. From what I see here. From what we're reading so far. Will he be asked? Who else will be asked? What are going to be the quality of the people who give pushback? And, and bring their own um, suggestions. It's... Again, as I said at the very beginning... My worry about revising the Chicago statement is the quality of the people who are going to be on that committee. We, in, I can't remember, I think it was on pre, in preambling, I talked about how the state of Christian, even evangelical academia is not good. The kind of people who I see, it, uh, the kind of people I see being interacted with by the people who would want to revise the Chicago statement, I don't trust what they view as a valuable conversation partner. I, my only worry with the alteration of the Chicago statement, again, is who is going to be on that committee. These guys like Derek Brown, that's, I'm, I might be open to it. This is I'm I'm interested in this kind of revision. You know what I'd rather see? New statements written. Additional sure. statements written. Uh, rather than revise this perfectly good document, I would rather see more expositions on the statement as written. Things that we can go to as explanations. Things like um, I would like to see. Um, I would like to see Greg Beal, Derek Brown, uh, Robert Yarbrough, 
Andreas Kostenberger, uh, D.A. Carson get together and write a new Chicago statement or uh, wherever they're going to meet. Um, wherever they, they get together to, to, to have a chat and rev- revive, uh, write a new statement. I would rather see a, a new statement or maybe call it a appendix uh, appendix appendix statement to the Chicago statement or a new exposition of the Chicago statement with additional concerns or something like that. That's, that's what I'd rather see. I, I, I would rather they not adjust or edit the existing statement, but come up with new statements, which by the way has been happening. Um, the problem, the thing is, People haven't been liking these new statements <laughs> because they're a sure. little too biblical. Uh, you know, like the, the, there is a Nashville statement. Uh, there is a Danvers statement. Um, they've been making statements, and uh, and the people who make the statements have been taking heat sometimes from people who should be their friends. Again, right. See, I don't trust who they would put on the council. <laughs> um, I want to see. Uh, I, I would want to see a suggested statement before I start getting on board. And I want to say, leave what is written, written. I think, I think what we have is good. Um, let's write new statements. Let's not revise what's there. Let's write new statements. That's what I'm I'm gonna say. The 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 Kalamazoo corollary to the Chicago statement has a ring to it. There we go. Hey, I'm willing to host the Iowa statement. <laughs> the the undisclosed location in Iowa statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so, so far, I don't know, maybe the additional article is going to, to change my mind on this, but so far, I'm okay with what I'm seeing. Again, we've given pushback, but the kind of pushback you expect among friends. Um, we'll see what the rest of the article has to offer. Uh, I make no promises. The only promise I have is this. I will give my honest opinion. Uh, and sometimes it's thoughtful. Sometimes it's funny. It's always entertaining. <laughs> so, any last words? No. Yeah. I. I actually. I hadn't. I. I had skimmed this to see, sort of, how many changes he was looking at making. And that was about as yeah. far as I'd gotten on this before, before we uh, did this dive ourselves. Yeah. Um, I I am pleasantly surprised based on the pushback I saw. I'm pleasantly surprised myself. Yeah, is I do I do have some I do have some quibbles, but it does seem it does seem like a lot of people maybe responded without having read it. <laughs> uh, there, um, there might be some guilt by association going on. Again, I'm I'm open to to maybe the art additional article. You got to remember, TGC is a platform. They they all the, yeah sure they host some people we wouldn't rather 
be put out into the broader world. But they also host Kevin DeYoung. Sure. Um, Let, let's and, just say, yeah, if if the convention to rewrite, uh, to to especially to rewrite the Chicago statement is everyone who's written for TGC in the last two years. Hard pass, man. Hard pass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, it's a, it's a, we, you read the article before you read, read the article before you comment. It's always a good thing. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And of course I haven't read any of the responses. I'm going to wait to, I'm going to wait to, to read it myself. And that of course will come next week before I start reading responses. And um, if I have any comments on those responses, um, it will be made during preamblings or bonus because we're getting back to revelation. Um, this Absolutely. is after all the anarchist Bible study and we've forgotten about that for too long. Been <laughs> <laughs> studying about the Bible, not the Bible. And uh, we know how those things how those bible studies end uh <laughs> i become the thing that i hate we're we call ourselves a bible study and we're just reading a book <laughs> oh boy but in, not for long in, we're getting back and in, in a sense this has been a bible study on Romans seven then you've become what you pay <laughs> oh boy all right um so Again, next week we're going to finish this, and then, and then of course, we are getting back to Revelation. Um, uh, tomorrow, expect an episode we, where we're talking about uh, someone TGC that we decidedly don't agree with. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you want to know what that's about, make sure you come back tomorrow or Monday, if you're listening to this on, on your audio feed, um, and hear about that. Um, and, of course, if you want to hear the rest of this, um, come back next week. In the meantime... Uh, if you want to support us or you just can't wait to hear the rest of this episode or tomorrow's, uh, you can't wait to hear the bonus, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and support us for $1. And with that, you can get access to all the live streams as they come out and right at, and soon after there's a link in, um, in our secret discord. Oh, and oh, by the way, you also get access to our secret discord server where we talk about politics, theology, um, and a whole lot of Tolkien. And I, for instance, lecture Patrick for implying that the Chronicles of Narnia is allegory, which is not. Now I'll defend that to my, to my death. Uh, uh, <laughs> Um, but and also you get to hear um we we respond to way more articles than we can respond to on the show on those um podcasts as well as we ask a lot of really good questions have some really good discussion on that discord you're gonna you're gonna love it there so yeah buymeacoffee.com slash flyover one dollar a month is all you need and you can get uh you can get access to all that great stuff and also while you're there if you want to request a topic that we have to cover on the show for $5 of one-time donation of $5, you can force us to talk about, I'm not going to say anything. There'll be <laughs> limits, uh, but, but you can, you can, you can make us take, take up some topic within reason uh, for $5 over there. And of course, uh, uh, balance out the Indian uh, bots by sending us an email, letting us know what you're thinking or, or leave it, uh, 
leaving a uh, comment in the chat. Um, but you can send us uh, a email uh, at anarchistbiblestudy@gmail.com. Unless what you're going to do is give us your list uh, of of uh, modifications and denials and uh your your plan is to undermine the whole statement of chicago uh the chicago statement on inerrancy in which case you should send us an email at artichoke bible study at philvisher.com oh my gourd anyway uh <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah send us that there uh <laughs> And of course, rate us five stars, like us, share us, tell a friend, um, and uh, most importantly, join us again next week when we take anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. And vegetables. The following bonus material is brought to you by IOANCAP's crappy internet. Far too often in. Oh, shoot. Shoot. Oh, no. Oh, crap. It's supposed to fix the problem. Hey. Hey. Freck. Um, sorry, I have to go plug in my phone because I'm using the hotspot. This wasn't supposed to happen anymore. Cripes. Okay, welcome back. This wasn't supposed to happen anymore. Well, hold on. I've got to make sure. i got to get back into the stream. Is the stream on? Um, the chat is running. The stream is... Is it still Wheel circling. of Doom? Wheel of Dooming. Yeah. Oh, now it's back. I can read my lips saying the chat is working, but the uh, screen is wheel of dooming. <laughs> uh, um, sorry, chat. I'm gonna have to hop out real quick and go plug my phone in. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go blank for a second, and then we're gonna get right back into it. And you said it's a problem that all too often we fall into, or something like that, that we've all too oh, okay. often seen. Um, whatever. Uh, I'm gonna go plug in my phone. Okay. This wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> Okay, this is part of the bonus that you pay for, is getting to see <laughs> the boomerang. Anyway, uh, <laughs> okay, whenever you're ready, you can, you can take that point you were in the middle of. <laughs> <coughs> oh, because you're, you're, you're recording all of this. Yeah, well, you know, it's okay. all in. It's all being saved, including my cursing under my breath uh, while I was <laughs> trying to figure out how to get it. Uh, all right. <laughs> okay. So um, let me get back up to the uh, the proper level of, of, of um, dudgeon. Um, <laughs> um, and th this is... This is far too easy.